I'm Susan Freeman. Welcome back to our Property She podcast series, where I get to interview some of the key influencers in the amazing world of real estate. Today, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome John Burns, the co-founder and outgoing CEO of award-winning real estate REIT, Derwent London. The Property She podcast is brought to you by Mishkondorea in association with the London Real Estate Forum. Please make sure you check out our Property She website on mishcon.com slash property she for all our interviews and program notes. The podcasts are also now available to download on your Apple podcast app, on Spotify and whatever podcast app you use. And do continue to let us have your feedback and reviews and most importantly, your suggestions for future guests. After 35 years as CEO of Derwent, which he co-founded with his stepbrother Simon Silver in 1984, John Burns steps down shortly and hands over to his long-standing colleague Paul Williams. In 2007, Derwent merged with London Merchant Securities to become Derwent London and is now the largest central London-focused real estate investment trust with an investment portfolio comprising 5.5 million square feet and worth £5 billion. Derwent London has earned a reputation for anticipating the locations of tomorrow and contributing to London's regeneration by creating award-winning, design-led working environments. Their many projects include the iconic white-collar factory in the heart of the Tech Belt, 80 Charlotte Street in Fitzrovia, Brunel Building in Paddington, and Number 1 Oxford Street. John is a former chair of the Westminster Property Association and a founding member of the New West End Company, a global business partnership focusing on London's West End. So now we get the chance to talk to the visionary John Burns about 35 years of Derwent. John, welcome. Thank you. Just starting off at the beginning, you and Simon Silver, your, your stepbrother, founded Derwent in 1984. So how did how did that come about? And it's not an obvious thing for stepbrothers to go into business together. It came about because in around that time, I was looking to get involved in a public company. And we found a shell through an introduction that was listed on the London market with a market capitalization of one and a half million. And I had probably had enough of sort of being an agent and wanted to move on. Simon stayed being an agent for a little while till I persuaded him this thing was going to be interesting and moved over. So we had a base and we had a little knowledge and we had a lot of enthusiasm. And that's really how how it started. From that start, Derwent has uh, established a pretty yeah. amazing reputation as one of London's most innovative office specialist regenerators, and, and you are always admired for your design-led approach. I mean, did you set out to create that model, or, or did it just evolve? No, it wasn't that way at all. In fact, we were probably more asset managers. And even today, people regard us as out-and-out developers, we're probably only developing about 15-16% of our portfolio, so we're managing a lot of properties. And we thought we'd be able to manage them more efficiently than some of the big companies, so we bought investment portfolios at the time. But gradually, we started to get involved in design, that was very much through Simon, and do very small buildings, 
and start to think about what kind of space people really wanted. Um, we didn't really want to do corporate buildings. We wanted to make interesting buildings. And at the time, a lot of people were looking to get out of the conventional space, and that, that's how that fitted in. And I think you have described your approach to development as borrowing from the past to enhance the future, which I think is just uh, you know, a fantastic way of putting it. You go into what people regard as uncharted territories, yeah. or you have gone into uncharted territories around, around London. I mean, do you see yourself as pioneers? Well, I think we are bold. I think we're prepared to back our judgment in respect of who's going to take the space, I always used to say in the early days of presentations that we are the company that takes companies to the places they don't want to go. Um, because we feel that if you create the product, they will come. And it's been proved time after time again. So we are prepared to tackle locations that other people might have considered off-pitch. We're also, I think always prepared to consider looking at a building, taking it back to its bones and having the same build, same structure but recreating it in a special way. Our preference, actually, although we've done a lot of new buildings, is the older buildings that we can do. I mean, for example, we took Burberry from St. James and Mayfair into sort of Pimlico Millbank. Now, nobody ever thought a world-class brand like that would go there. But they did because they'd seen some previous space of ours in the city fringes, which we renamed that the Tech Belt, and that's now become on the map. And they said, have you got anything like this? We think it's terrific. And we said, we can make you something better. So in many ways, that was a great booster for us because it's become all about the space, the efficiency a good working environment, and we built on that at an early stage and tried very much, and I think we've been successful in creating a Derwent brand, which is what we wanted to do. Yes, I think it's um, you know it's a real testament to you and to the whole Derwent team in an industry that's, that's always you know, very much gone location, 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 yeah. and gone for the safe places. Yeah. One of the films that I was looking at on your website yesterday was Our Buildings Are the Brand. And I think that's just about it. One goes through um, a whole series of, of buildings, each of which are entirely different and, um, and have their own brand. But, I mean, do you think that the rest of the industry has uh, now sees brand in the same way as you see brand? Because it's been quite slow in happening. I think... They're grasping it, and people are realising you just can't stick up a building. You've got to put a lot of thought and imagination in it. And I think they are trying to create their brands. I hope we still do something a little bit special. Every scheme we do, we try and find improvement or find something else, that little je ne sais quoi, a little X factor that we can put into it. Uh, and that, I think, keeps people interested. We have a great bunch of young people working for us, and that really captures their enthusiasm. On the subject of every building being different, I mean, the Brunel building, I mean, is is an amazing well, um, example. Brunel building has been an amazing success. We finish it very shortly for practical completion. 
It's again a pre-revolutionary building. It's a diagrid building, which means it's totally column-free inside. And it has pre-let. It'll be 100% pre-let before we complete. And the thing I find very exciting about it is the type of tenants that we've attracted. Sony Films Division have gone there, who've been in Soho for many, many years. We've got a lot of very interesting companies there. The Premier League have gone there, a whole batch of tenants. So it's it's a village, that building, and it endorses, again, as I said before, if you've got a good product, they will come to you, providing it's got good communications too. And today, the companies expanding want modern space. They want plenty of light. Derwent has always made a play of giving better headroom and height in their buildings than the majority of developers. We are prepared to lose a floor, in some cases two floors, in order to make that space really great. And it does result in, in attracting lettings. Yeah, Brunel is, um, we're very proud of that building. No, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a great building and um, we're delighted to have um, to have have acted acted on it. You're and quite right. That's <laughs> well done. So we'll, have... we'll all do well out of it. <laughs> Absolutely. I remember when we spoke a couple of years ago and you, you were just about to start on it and you described the building as it was, as dull and corporate. And yep. uh, you said it was going to be very slightly Brunel-influenced. I just wondered where the Brunel influence came in. Well, Brunel, of course, who is regarded as our greatest Englishman. And he was in that area. There was a Brunel bridge. And Simon Silver decided to name it the Brunel Building. So Brunel was an engineer, and I think if you look at Brunel today, that is an engineering feat. So we've, we've established that. I mean, it has this amazing exoskeleton on the, yeah. uh, on, the, on the exterior. I mean, was that something that was difficult to construct? Very good architect here. All the architects we use are very good, but Keith Priest of Fletcher Priest, he devised the idea, and we straight away bought into it. I mean... Derwent works very much side by side with its architects. We don't just brief someone and say, bring me a building, what do you want to do? We will sit down, we have very skilled people, and we'll discuss it between them and try and combine the skills. And it works. They're quite happy to work with our ideas and and vice versa. So it's teamwork. Derwent's all about teamwork at all levels of the business. Actually, one of the things I was also looking at, you, you have a film on the website about the model making for yeah. Soho Place, yeah. which, yeah. Uh, and actually, the construction of the model is, yeah. is almost the time scale you would expect yeah. for a building. I You're mean, not kidding, to you do... buy, build a small building for the price of that. <laughs> yeah, the model making is important. Um, we've got it in our ground floor area, the show, the, what we call our showroom, and it displays it all. But you need a model today. You need it to show the tenants when you're talking about somebody taking space, you've got to give them a very clear picture of what they're going to get. Actually, one of the things we, we, we haven't spoken about yet is um, your Savile Row offices. Yeah. Because, I suppose, living the brand, the work you've done there to refurbish your offices, I mean, just really just exemplifies, I suppose, the attention yeah. to detail and a design. And, and I know it's won several awards. It has, yeah. It's a good story, actually. Because we originally bought that in a portfolio years ago from MEPC, and we had always operated north of Oxford Street, 
Wigmore Street and Wimpole Street. But I said that the first floor came available in that building we would take. Uh, and that's what happened. And then we took more and more floors until the building started to get quite outdated and our space wasn't as efficient as we wanted it. Um, so we smacked in a planning application. At the time, residential was the word, and we won a consent. And unfortunately, somebody awful in the government put the stamp duty up dramatically, which took the viability right out of the scheme. So we said, right, what are we going to do next? We then thought about moving to Stephen Street, Tottenham Court Road, um, which I wasn't very keen on, and Simon wasn't very keen on, but it was fairly efficient. But after really going into it, we felt we needed to be in the heart of the West End, where people drop in. So we did a rolling refurbishment program. We were in the top floors, and we prepared the lower floors that we went into, made a separate entrance for ourselves, and a separate entrance next door for the three upper floors, which I'm delighted to say let successfully. Um, and really, what it was, I can remember when we were in the, in the building originally, people used to say, this is fantastic, it's cutting edge, but it wasn't. It got dated. If you're in a building 18 years, it gets dated. And it's a building that isn't really configured in the way you would do today. So consequently, we decided well, we've been doing this for 30 years for everybody else. Why shouldn't we have something similar for ourselves? And that's the story, and it's worked very well. I'm lucky enough uh, to have had a, a tour by, by Simon, so I was sort did of... Did we take... charge you for the tour? Didn't, oh, but we did enough. a reciprocal tour oh, um, of the... Uh, I, I was, yeah, we hear I, your building is very impressive. Well, I was, I was very flattered, I can tell you, when Simon said he actually liked the design, he would yeah. like a tour of, of ours. Very but well. the staircase, the sort of floating staircase that you have in your building is... Um, well, the one in the middle? Yeah. yeah. It was actually subject to much discussion, because when you put a staircase in the middle you use you lose floor space oh. floor space attracts rent rents make money but all in all we decided it was worth losing a few square feet and it's made it just that more attractive it's given the buzz in the building as well as people are constantly going up and down it's a bit like a department store internally well, I shouldn't use department stores at the moment as a word, but it's pretty successful. No, it's a, it's a, real, it's a real statement. In one of the um, award comments, described it as an exquisitely executed um, project from the first conceptual move to the finest point of detail. So yeah. um, I think that's exactly what you want as, that's, your, that's, as your HQ. That's very nice to hear. Yeah. So, um, I mean, Derwent have won so many awards over over the years, actually. I don't think there's any point in, uh, in, in running through them all. But I noticed there are now quite a few for sustainability. And yeah. uh, you've been ranked in the Corporate Knights Global 100. And that's world. a world thing. That's yeah. not just the UK. Yeah, which yeah. is, which is yeah. quite, uh, quite something. One of the awards that I was particularly pleased was the Management Today Awards, which is assessed on your sector and the whole company. At one stage, we got to fifth in the whole of the stock exchange, which I thought was, was really good. Yeah, that was an award, I think, and we won the property sector about four or five times, yeah. One of the things I think is fascinating talking to you is the um, combination of, you, you know, you are often described as being old school, and you've got this combination of the traditional yeah. and at the same time a sort of being totally at the cutting edge of, of, of development. I mean, how, how, does that, how does that work? Because it's quite unusual. Well, I'm not the design guru, 
I know the type of design that I like. But I think it's very important that whatever we do, we've got to do it better. And we, we research. We send our teams, letting teams abroad to the States, to, to Europe, to see how we're doing in comparison. And I'm pleased to say that when they come back, we're not behind. We're probably a little bit ahead of the curve there. So we're really always looking to learn the whole time to create improvements. There's a tremendous appetite for that in the office. And it's not just, as I used to say to people, sticking a couple of Barcelona chairs in the reception. It's far more to it than that. But a lot of thought. You've mentioned the detail. It takes a lot of time. Sometimes I think perhaps we're over-fussy with certain things, but at the end of the day, it works out well. And I think it's very important. I think there's no doubt that good architecture brings in good tenants. And in terms of of doing things differently, I mean, the white-collar factory in the the tech belt, as you've christened it, when you were thinking about it initially, the intention was to build a modern version of the factory, but reinvented as offices. And there were claims to revolutionise the urban workplace. Has that worked? I mean, I know you wanted an urban campus that wasn't too corporate and you were worried about having boring lawyers. We we don't do a lot of corporate, (laughs) as I say. I think really it was a a bit of a dream white-collar factory. We'd worked with with quite a few people on that. We'd worked with Simon Alford on it, Simon Silver, and, and Agent David Rosen had some input in that, certainly. It's something we wanted to build. It was exciting. It was on the lines of concrete cooling and let's have a go at it and see what happens. And it's been amazingly successful because we let it bottom upwards. Um, you know, sometimes you see developments. Somebody wants the top. Somebody wants the middle floors. We were quite disciplined about that, what we wanted, and it, it worked out that way. And, of course, we've been very creative by putting a running track on the roof. That's a great success. Um, we have a site behind, building behind, Featherstone Building, which I call the White Collar Factory's little sister, and work starting on that. It's 125,000 feet, which is a smaller building, but it will be very much different architect, but it will be very much along the lines of the White Collar. But I, I do say one thing. I mentioned earlier that we are prepared to be bold, you're very bold in this business if you've got a really strong balance sheet. And we, we've always had that because that is the, the fortress behind us. That's the key to everything. But I doubt today, even after seeing White Collar's success, that many developers, if any, would put up a building like that. So, so I think we understand what's in the tenant's mind, what they need. There's a lot of research done with that. We work, obviously, with agents, but we also work very directly with the tenants, the decision-makers, and their teams. And It's knowing what people want, what they're going to be happy in, are their staff going to regard it as a home. So that's the key. Um, so we're building another little white-collar factory in that sense, but I'm not sure uh, many people will be copying us. Well, I think even your, your, your approach to your tenants, occupiers, yeah. when you were developing White Collar was different. I think you invited yeah. the whole portfolio of, yeah, of tenants did. in to tell them about what you were doing, yeah, we which did. was quite yeah. unusual. We, we do this. It's very much it's a team effort. My successor, 
as CEO Paul Williams has been an absolute master at dealing with our tenants at the high end. But our leasing teams led by Emily, again, we have very close communication with tenants and we want to give them the confidence that they're going to get a good building and it's going to be delivered as it is. We, we believe in relationships and if you go into a Derwent building, we hope the next building you take will be ours. And it's happened many times. The, the Saatchi building in Charlotte Street, they were there. We moved them to two buildings, Turnmill Building and Chancery Lane. Now, who would have thought a world-class media company would go to Chancery Lane? It's full of people like you, Susan, lawyers. I was going to say, lawyers actually. Lawyers and barristers. Um, but if you've got the correct product, they'll go. The, the space was exciting. So we've always we've always learnt that make the space and they'll come. Yeah. Actually, Midtown is uh, is changing. We have more TMT occupiers yeah. coming in now than we do have um, lawyers and other professionals. So maybe you maybe you started that. Do you have a favourite building? As I always say, my favourite building is a let building, <laughs> which is income producing. But moving on from that, I've always had a very soft spot for a building called Greencoat House the back of Victoria. It's a red brick building, and I can remember going into it and it being like a sort of ministry of defence office from years ago with no freedom of space. And our teams have knocked that building about, cut holes in the basement to create light, had lots of schemes, and it is great space. It's not over-specified. It always lets well. So that's something that really goes back to the roots of Derwent, finding an older building and then getting it up to modern standards. Looking at sort of career decisions generally, I I, I assume that the merger with London Merchant Securities uh, was the highlight. I mean, it's it's always talked about as the deal of the decade and um, you can't get much better uh, than that. But... uh, is there anything with the advantage of hindsight that you would have done differently? It's interesting. It's the deals that you've missed. Mm. And I can honestly say we've been fortunate. We haven't missed, missed, missed too many, but there are always some. But the London Merchant was the most exciting deal because I, being considerably older than everybody in the office, realised the potential of the, the properties and how great it would be to merge both companies together. I knew there'd be pretty instant success and I found that really exciting to do that deal yeah that was a pivotal moment for us because it doubled our size the merger has gone and still goes extremely well Um, our chairman Robbie Rain and our team we we get on very well indeed and uh, I think it's been a great success and I think it's also been accepted by a lot of our investors who apart from saying it is a great deal they're saying that's one merger that's worked. And so I'm, on a personal basis, I'm very pleased that that's happened. Is, is there a sort of secret of Derwent's success or is some of it luck, some have been, you know, good decision-making because, uh, you know, clearly things, you know, things have gone well? Yeah. We, we know our markets. We're our best research. There's no doubt about it because we're concentrating in limited areas, so we know the rents on that. We know how to design a building. And we're... We're what the Americans call real estate guys. We understand real estate, which I think is is very important. We've also got a very good, strong financial discipline, which helps. 
And I think there is the imagination there to create these great buildings. At the end of the day, buildings like T Building, Angel Islington, Burberry, White Collar Factory, they'll go on long after we've gone. So they'll be part of the London landscape. And it's always looking not just to do a building and to do it up and get it let. That's not our style. We won't compromise. I'm not saying we, we can't go excessively on, on all the costings of everything um, and over-specify a building, but we've got to have the confidence in a building that this will let. Over, over the, certainly over the last few years, we've seen quite a lot of um, change in the way offices are let and obviously yeah. the increase in this inflexible mm, uh, yeah. working and I, I wondered how you see that how you see that going whether we're going to see more partnerships between the um, flexible working mm. operators and the and the property companies or whether the we works of, of this world are going to just take over do you do you have any yeah. thoughts on that well I think there's a place for them definitely I think it's about five percent of the central London market it was last time Funnily enough, we've been doing flexible lettings for about 25 years. Nobody seems to have noticed that. Um, We've always believed in flexibility. We don't have our particular brand, but we have let quite a lot of space on this flexible leases. There's definitely a place for them. In our big buildings, we like them. We've worked with the office group. They've got the, the bottom three floors at White Collar, and all our tenants, like Adobe, like Box, they're delighted that they're there because for a project they can take space. So I think they are, they're a great amenity. I don't think they'd like me calling them amenities, but they are, they're, they're great for, for our building. We haven't let one to an entire co-working organisation at the moment, and I think probably we've always said that we'll do some, some more ourselves. We were actually going to leave a couple of floors at Brunel, but <laughs> by popular demand, in fact, we had to disappoint a couple of tenants. We didn't. So who knows the next time? There's definitely a place for them, absolutely. I think there has to be flexibility now. You will know that the 25-year lease is hard to get now. And, for example, we got averagely sort of 12s, 12 without breaks at Brunel, which is, is pretty good. Um, it's also nice to try and have some breaks in your building because if you've got a good tenant um, and he needs more space, you may be able to accommodate him. So that's how we, we see the flex. You have always at Derwent kept your, your focus on London and the focus on offices. Yeah. Have you been tempted by residential? We have done residential where we've been made to as part of the planning is concerned. I think whilst we've got a lot of confidence in what we do, I think residential and fit out is a very different thing. We have preferred to sell on and get some overage. We've done a couple of small schemes. We did a little one, little one in Queensway, a little one in Charlotte Street. And I think we found them very time-consuming for what was involved. So um, I don't think we're looking to expand our residential activities. That's interesting. John, you've been credited as having incredible foresight in your ability to read the market and political shifts. So I think I have to ask you where you see things going. Okay. well, I don't think we've ever been clever enough to read the market and call it on a particular day, but you get a view of experience. The first thing is, are people looking at your buildings and are they taking them? If that's the case, I think you'll find that quite encouraging on that thing. What we're now is a time of low interest rates. 
And it looks as though they're going to stay that way for an awful long time. And where there are low interest rates, there is a reluctance for people to sell properties and give up income if they can find a replacement, unless they can find a replacement. And that in many ways slows up the investment market. I think there's a lot of money still coming in from abroad. They're probably more hesitant at the moment until we know what's going to happen. Um, but I do believe that London is still very much on everybody's notepad. I think the culture in London, the life in London, the education in, in the UK still attracts overseas people. So I think the market, we've called for the last time, we see the market, unless you get some macro problem, is going to jog along steadily for quite a while. So you're shortly stepping down as CEO and yeah. you become non-exec chairman. You've said that you're not planning to go on long holidays and play more golf. So well, how, how are you planning to spend your well, time? Well, I'm moving to another office not far away because I think it's only fair that I shouldn't be seen hanging around every day. <laughs> They're perfectly capable of getting on with it. And what I will do is I don't intend to take any days off for any more time. I shall go to work. I obviously have to spend a fair amount of time doing other things. And then I'll maybe I'll find for a day or so to do something else. Quite what it is, I don't know. I'm at the moment trying to get moved into my offices within the next month or so and see what happens then. But uh, I'll be talking to people. Maybe people approach me. And uh, I shan't be looking to remain inactive, let's put it that way. Well, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people who will be beating a path to your door and maybe there'll be some time to mentor some of the younger people yeah, coming up. I'd, I'd the be industry. very happy to do that. I like, I like talking if I can give some advice or maybe I can get some advice from someone myself. I'm always happy to learn. Uh, looking back retrospectively, I think you've really got to enjoy what you do. I think we at Derwent, we have, we have a lot of fun and we've got great projects on. Um, we have a good culture. I think that's essential with a business. I'm delighted to say, as I'm going, that culture is going extremely well, and I think it will go on. And I think also relationships. The company has always worked hard at relationships with all advisors all the way through, bankers, brokers, lawyers, architects, everyone. And I think that's a, I think that's a good signal for us. That's, that's terrific. John, thank you so much thank for your you, time Sus today. Thank you, Susan. That was uh, John Burns, who is about to step down after 35 years as CEO of Derwent London. So really interesting and valuable um, to hear from him uh, today. And he really is somebody who has managed to combine being old school with embracing the very best of design and innovation to create London's most cutting edge buildings. And um, their buildings really are their brand. So if you haven't already visited, make sure you do go to see every one of their award winning buildings. So that's it for now. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Please join us for the next Property Sheep podcast interview coming very shortly. The Property Sheep podcast is brought to you by Mishkondorea in association with the London Real Estate Forum and can be found at mishkon.com slash property she, where you'll find all our interviews and programme notes. The podcasts are also available to download on your Apple podcast app, the purple button on your iPhone. 
and on Spotify and whichever podcast app you use. And please do continue to let us have your feedback and comments, most importantly, suggestions for future guests. And of course, you can also follow me on Twitter at PropertyShe for a very regular commentary on all things real estate, prop tech and the built environment.